Welcome back to episode five of Porn Brain Reboot with Dr. Trish Lee. Uh, Okay, in this episode, we are going to contemplate the idea of making everything sexual. Is it harassment or is it all in good fun? And uh, of course, I've made a shorter YouTube video. It's also on Vimeo if you want the short version of this, because here in the podcast, I'm going to give you the overarching principles But then, of course, I'm going to give more anecdotal stories and kind of talk about people's experiences a little bit more. And I think this is a really great subject to expand a little bit on because we know that objectification of people and body parts and sexualizing uh, events or people or um, different environments or timeframes can be really devastating in people's lives. And I think that this is something that shows up for people a lot in their relationships and their interactions with other people. And other people know that something is different, or I'll use the word off. I know some people might not like that, but use the word that something's off with that person because they're always checking other people out or they're talking inappropriately about sexual experiences or sex jokes, or um, I'm going to give a couple examples of what some people that have emailed me or that I'm coaching or people have reached out to me asking me if these things are okay. And obviously, if you have to ask me, then you're not sure if they are okay. And most times they're not. Most times they definitely count as harassment. But what we're going to focus on more is thinking about, okay, what is sexualization of everything? I'm going to break that down. Why? Why are you making those things sexual? What is it doing to your brain? What does your brain need? And why is your brain going out of its way to sexualize environments or situations that shouldn't be sexual? And in the end, what can you do instead? Because that's what this podcast is about. Porn brain reboot. We're going to reboot your brain from the addictive sexuality pattern that it's been using, the hypersexual pattern it's been using for a long time. And we are going to rewire it towards healthy sexuality. And you're going to be able to ride off into the sunset, find yourself a partner or honey that you can have lots of fantastic, actual healthy sex with. When you go to a work dinner, you're not going to be the one making the inappropriate jokes or um, inappropriately looking at your boss or an employee, anything like that. We're going to get all that under control. Okay. So first and foremost is making everything sexual. What is that about? What does that look like? Why might you do it? Okay. So here's a couple examples and we'll just kind of expand on it from there. So making everything sexual is kind of like, first of all, checking people out is definitely one instance of that. So especially when it's environments that you shouldn't be checking out or people. So many um, people that I work with who have teenage daughters and teenage daughter friends, they will inadvertently check out their daughter's friends. Totally not appropriate, not appropriate, but I'm going to tell you in just a minute that it's not about that at all. If you've heard me talk before, you know that what everything I'm talking about, it's not about sex. It's about diseased 
brain mechanisms and processes that need neurotransmitter release for self-soothing and for pain reduction and stress reduction and mood regulation. So that's one example though, because that creates a lot of issues between dads and their daughters. And hopefully it's not you, but if, if this is happening to you, I want you to know it's happening to a lot of other people too, because the brain is looking for the dopamine hit. It's looking for the neurochemical release and it will find a way to get it. And if that's the environment, if the environment is you're in the kitchen and you're hanging out with all your kids and it's filled with your friend, your daughter's teenage girlfriends and they're all dressed up and they're scantily clad. Well, that could be a very triggering environment and a stressful environment, which makes it a dangerous environment for, for the hypersexual brain. Um, another instance that I talked about on the YouTube video is that if you're out to dinner and you're at a work dinner, this would be an environment that might be stress-provoking for many people. Stress-provoking environments are not dopamine-producing environments. They're the polar opposite. And so in this stressful environment, your brain will go out of its way to get the dopamine hits to offset the cortisol that your brain is making and is coursing through your veins because of the uncomfortableness of the situation. So the default mechanism in your brain is to look for something sexual to soothe so what it'll do is start looking at body parts or start objectifying. There might be uh, an off-color comment. There might be a sex joke. There might be sexualization of people at the table. It's all your brain looking for the dopamine hit. That is what it's about. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about what's going on in the brain, and then I can give you some more examples. So what's going on in the brain is... For a person who has frequently and consistently, and especially for someone who has increased intensity in porn consumption, what happens is your brain is getting more and more dopamine for longer amounts of time within your porn sessions. So let's just say porn sessions equal lots of dopamine. And remember, I can see what people's brains do in the brain graphs when people work with me. And what it does is it floods the system. It takes a hyper aroused, stressed out, overwhelmed nervous system and numbs it right out, soothes, soothes it, calms it right down. It floods that brain with dopamine and it takes the edge off. But unfortunately, because the porn sessions do that after the fact, when you have to go to dinner with your boss and your colleagues, none of which you enjoy that much, and it's going to be a work presentation that you have to focus on, and your brain hurts, you don't want to have to think about it, you're in a very cortisol-producing environment and an environment that does not give you a lot of dopamine. So then your brain goes, okay, I can get lots of dopamine in a porn session. Right now, I'm getting literally no dopamine and I'm getting stressed out. So I'm getting a lot of cortisol in my brain. I need to offset this cortisol. I need a dopamine hit. And you've conditioned your brain through years or decades of porn use to go towards sex, to soothe the brain in low dopamine environments. So then that's when the, you know, borderline, I won't say it's harassment, but that's when borderline harassment might happen 
Let me give you another example that a few people have emailed me about massage parlors. And if you make inappropriate suggestions to your massage therapist to see what her reaction is, you're getting a dopamine hit. You're literally using her reaction as a dopamine hit. Just the words coming out of your mouth is giving you the dopamine. It's getting that dopamine coursing in your veins. In my practice at Lee Brain and Spine, we had pre-COVID, we'll get another one, but pre-COVID, we had a massage therapist and she was totally awesome. And of course, this is my background. This is the work that I do. And, uh, you know, people in the office don't necessarily know that because it's a different focus um, unless they, you know, unless they need to know. But so a lot of people would ask her, you know, for the happy ending or they would make sexual innuendos to her just to get a rise out of her, just to get a rise themselves and to get that dopamine hit. And literally she was the flattest affect person when people would do that to her because she knew it was for the dopamine hit so she could diffuse it very quickly. But the number of times it would happen is, I mean, honestly, more than it really should because we know that massage parlors are a place where people are going to get that dopamine hit. You might be going just to get the dopamine hit from from sensual touch or from therapeutic touch. And if you've found a place that will take it further, then of course you'll use your verbal um, skills to be able to get arousal in a sexual manner. So going back to the emails that I get or people ask, they'll, they'll say, you know, I said this thing to my massage therapist, but it was all just in good fun. It's not harassment because we know each other. Just because you think it's cool doesn't mean she thinks it's cool. And likely she would definitely consider it harassment, but is not going that route in terms of pursuing it because you are a client and she likes you and she wants to keep you as a client. But most people or all people with healthy sexuality don't appreciate comments like that. They either don't care or they don't like them. They wouldn't be arousing for that person. So We'll get at the end what you can do instead. But, you know, I want you to know if you're making sexual comments and it is doing it for you, it doesn't mean it's doing it for that person. But I want to bring it back to why you're doing that. Why you are doing it is because your brain is having difficulty engaging in the world. So we know this. And engagement's a word I use over and over and over, that the more you go into isolation in pornography consumption and masturbation, arousal, stimulation, stress relief, pain relief, the more you do that, the more difficult it is for you to engage in the real world or IRL, as my teenage kids used to call it. Now I'm sure that would make them cringe. But, you know, if you have a hard time engaging in family parties, um, hanging out with your friends, and honestly, a good filter for you on this one is if you don't get enjoyment out of the things that you used to get enjoyment out of, that is you not being able to engage in the world. And I talk to so many people that say, you know, I haven't done any of my hobbies because I just want to go watch more porn. That is your brain going, I want dopamine. I want to be numbed out. I am having a hard time engaging in the world. So clearly the way out is to stop watching porn, stop isolating, get connected in the world, get 
back on purpose in your work and your relationships and your hobbies, get the dopamine flowing in the real world so that you don't have to escape into the fake world to be able to get the dopamine hits. So what's happening in the brain? Let's move to number two. What is happening in your brain that makes you want to sexualize different aspects of your life that should not be sexual? What is making it happen is first of all, that's the neural pathway you've been using for a long time. So it is called compulsive hypersexuality behavior disorder. ICD-11 has classified it. That's the international classification of diseases has classified it as a problem. Pornography consumption is the number one way that it manifests. Then it manifests in the world by checking people out, making sexual comments. Um, One example is, you know, if you're out and you're out with a whole bunch of friends, but all you're doing is thinking about sex and talking about sex and checking people out and wanting to go, you know, do things that are sexual, that's hypersexuality. You should be able to go out to dinner with your friends and hang out and enjoy being with them, enjoy engaging in the time with them. And if you can't do that and you're constantly looking for anything sexual, you're looking for the dopamine hit because you've conditioned the neural pathways to go towards a dopamine hit during a stressful time. So it becomes stressful when you're, and stressful is the wrong word. It just becomes not enough dopamine when you're out with friends because there's so much more dopamine in a pornography session. We know porn hijacks your brain. It's a super normal stimulus. It's going to give you dopamine at the highest levels. There, There are no higher levels for most people. Okay. So that's why your brain goes towards it. Now, let me tell you what I see on people's brain graphs that can make it um, maybe a little bit easier to understand. And I'm going to put a brain graph on my Instagram feed. So if you want to go check it out there, um, it's pretty interesting. I know it's difficult when you don't know what you're looking at, but it's pretty interesting that before a relapse, a person's brain shows high levels of activity, high levels of hyper arousal. The brain's very active. So then when someone relapses, the brain shows very high levels of hypoarousal. Hypoarousal is underactivity. So the brain goes basically from jacked up to numbed out almost instantaneously when that whole porn cycle starts for you and the dopamine starts dripping and then it starts flooding and then it starts bathing. You go from hyper to hypo arousal. And if you've seen me talk in my YouTube videos, making my hand gestures where hyper arousal and hypo arousal are those, are those speeds out in the extreme. I talk about it as the pendulum theory that the brain oscillates between too much fastness and too much slowness. That is hyper and hypo arousal. What we want for your brain and for my brain and all of our brains, the world's brains for that matter, is to have everybody's brain at optimal arousal so that it can move through the circadian rhythms based upon a 24-hour clock so you can feel your best all day long and get a beautiful night's sleep all night long. And so when you're in optimal arousal, you're never running too hot and you're never running too slow or with too much underactivity. When you keep going back to the screen, you put yourself in a mode where you're always swinging between the extremes, too fast and too slow. 
So that is what happens before, during, and after a pornography session and within your pornography cycle. Everybody has a cycle. It's a little bit different for each person, but everybody has a cycle. So within the cycle, you can ebb and flow between these different levels of neurotransmitter release and these different patterns of electrical energy use, which is what I'm talking about with the speeds. Okay. So what's the way out? The way out, my friend, is to leave the screen behind. That's not all I'm going to tell you in this podcast, but you really have to get into a program, whether it be mine or somebody else's, that can support you in a way that feels good to you so you can get over the hurdle of unwiring your brain from the pattern that it's been in for a long time because it's going to default to this mode. And, you know, and that's why I really feel for people because I understand the neural mechanisms. So if you're out checking somebody out at the mall, or, you know, if you're out with your uh, spouse or your honey or your partner and you're out to dinner, but you can't stop looking at all the waitresses, that's your brain looking for dopamine hits. It doesn't necessarily mean you particularly are overly interested in any of them. It means that your brain needs a release from the situation that it's in. And when you understand it at that level, and if your partner understands it at that level, I see that as a cry for help. So if you notice that you're doing it more and more, that means your brain is in hyper arousal. And what you need to do is find healthy ways to bring your brain out of hyper arousal into optimal arousal. So let me first talk about what you can do in the moment. So let's say you're going to get a massage and you would normally make off-color comments, sexual comments to give yourself a little hit, a little arousal. Ahead of time, I want you to think of Find You can offer up something uh, uh, that's of interest to you lately. You can just keep it focused on what your needs are in terms of your massage, non-sexually, of course, and that you can keep it at topics that are friendly, but that are appropriate. Or you can ask your massage therapist about her. So even at dinner with your, with your employees or with your employer, with your colleagues, Know three things that you can talk about that you could bring up that would engage the table in conversation that are appropriate. And then ask people questions about themselves. People love to talk about themselves. It's very dopamine producing. So it may not serve your dopamine needs in those moments, but if you're talking about three subjects that you care about and that are important to you, then it will be dopamine producing for you. So like, for example, uh, my, my hubby's been totally into cryptocurrency for like, I don't know, a couple months now. It's starting to really irritate if you know what I mean. So he wants to talk about cryptocurrency all the time because it's giving him dopamine hits when he when he's talking about how things are going up and going down. So guess what this girl did? I became a kryptonaut. That's what I like to call myself. I bought a little bit of cryptocurrency, just enough so I'm in the game so I can care about it with him. So now the thing that he cares about is very dopamine producing for him. I can ride that with him. And so now we can talk about crypto. I downloaded the app on my phone. I got a little bit of crypto. I bought the dip when it dipped not too long ago. I was all psyched with myself. I didn't tell him. Total hypocrisy. I didn't tell him that I was buying it because, uh, you know, 
I wanted to surprise them kind of thing so that we can be kryptonauts together. You feel free to use that term because I think it's great. <clears throat> so uh, I told him, I'm like, I bought the dip, my friend. And he's like, what? You did what? I already bought that for you. And I'm like, you know what? You bought it for me, but that doesn't mean I have it. And I bought it for myself. And so now, you know, he's always texts me when things are up and down. It's become dopamine producing for the both of us instead of it being cortisol producing for me and dopamine producing for him. So three things that you might be interested in discussing with the table. It's going to be dopamine producing for you and it's going to keep you appropriate. Anytime sexual thought comes out of your mind, into your mind, and it's about to come out of your mouth, filter it. I know you might not be great at that at the beginning, but now that you understand the neural mechanisms behind it and what it's doing for you, self-awareness creates knowledge is power, creates knowledge and knowledge is power. And now that, you know, you're looking for a dopamine hit, you need to be able to get it in a healthy way. I just gave you one way in terms of conversational topics, but you can go out of your way to do the piece of your work that you love, because that will give you dopamine. If you have a job you enjoy and you love, if you don't, I highly recommend you get a job you love. You can spend time with the people in your life that you love because that's dopamine producing. So when I hang out with my 10-year-old daughter who calls me Patty all the time, it's literally hysterical. Uh, she usually says it with condensation in her voice. I'm not sure why, but uh, you know, she'd be like, hey, Patty, you want to go do this, that, the other thing? And you know, we'll go hang out. It's totally dopamine producing. Uh, it's just chill. And I love hanging out with her or my husband. He'll be a total weirdo. I can't even think of anything. I literally cracked up, um, over the weekend. I went to Florida with my sisters. I met my sisters there. Haven't seen them in two years because of COVID. So that was pretty cool. And I don't know while I was flying or at the airport, I was thinking about something my husband did. I literally laughed out loud and, uh, you know, that's a major dopamine hit while traveling, just thinking about the funny things that he does. And then it pops into my mind. People that you love, dopamine producing, do silly things with them. And, uh, you know, it will get dopamine, flood, not flooding, moving through your system in healthy levels. And then lastly, your hobbies, do things that you love. It's, it's a tragedy how often I talk to people and I'll say to them, you know, what's your hobby? What do you like to do? And they're like, I love to, um, I was telling someone yesterday, this isn't their hobby, but I was telling them that I want to learn how to juggle, which don't get me wrong. isn't exactly a hobby, but I've been wanting to learn how to juggle for a long time. I know absolutely ridiculous, but I will practice sometime with oranges in the kitchen. And even when I'm doing that, it's rewarding. I tried to get my son Seamus to learn how to juggle with me. Um, I think that ship is passed now that he's going to be 15. But when he was 10, he was he was kind of into it. Um, but those people, you know, I'll say, when's the last time you juggled? And they'll go, never. You know, I haven't juggled in 10 years or I haven't juggled in five years. And I used to juggle all the time. Do the hobbies that you love. They get the dopamine flowing in your brain. Better yet, they get serotonin flowing in your brain, the joy neurotransmitter, so that you're, you've got happiness and pleasure flowing throughout your system in a very healthy way. So that's your brain tip for the day. Three conversation topics that you enjoy that you can share with other people. When they talk and they have some insight and talk back to you, listen and build upon the conversation. And that will help you stay present in the moment, get dopamine flowing at better levels, healthier levels, and will keep you out of that hypersexual mode. Okay. So 
that is it. No harassment. Don't make off-color sexual comments to anybody. It's basically never appropriate um, unless it is your partner. And even then, it's appropriate at sexual times. Uh, I was going to wrap up, but I have to say one more thing when it comes to partners is that when it comes to a partnership with someone who has healthy sexuality, people with healthy sexuality aren't hypersexual. So someone said this to me two weeks ago, everybody thinks about sex 57,000 times a day. And I'm like, no, they don't. People who are hypersexual think about sex 57,000 times a day. People with healthy sexuality think about sex as they are moving towards sexual experiences. That's a healthy way to do it. So when it comes to partners, Partners need to feel safe and feel like they know when the sexual times are. When they're out with their friends and you come up and slap them on the butt and sexualize them and make sexual comments in front of your partner's friends, they don't want that. That's not something that is arousing for them. But if you're having private sexual time, that's totally appropriate because it becomes part of the arousal template. So when it comes to partners, they want to know when it's sexual time, you're going to be sexual. When it's not sexual time, you're not going to be sexual. Working out is a perfect example of that. And I talked to so many people who the gym is a massively triggering experience. And actually this past weekend when I was away, um, we have a gym in my house, so I always work out at home, but I use the gym at the resort and I was about to start doing my thing and it wasn't really sexuality that I was worried about. It was more um, me rocking out my, my app and my workout that I'm accustomed to and that I like um, in front of a gym that was only filled with a handful of men. And especially, you know, gyms are so triggering and I wasn't scantily clad or anything. I was in my fine workout gear looking tough as you can imagine. Um, but I'm like, forget it. I don't even care. Cause I'm just going to rock out this workout, had my AirPods and jamming it out. But being in that environment reminded me that, you know, how that environment is a place where people are sexualizing other people. And indeed people were looking at me. I'd like to believe it's because my push-up form was so ridiculously awesome. They couldn't keep their eyes off of me, or perhaps the amount of time I spent in plank was just awe inspiring, but, um, who knows, you know, so if you find yourself looking at people in the gym, people with unhealthy sexuality want to be objectified in the gym. Remember that people with healthy sexuality do not. And if you're on the road from unhealthy to healthy sexuality, it's time to desexualize the gym, go there to work out, put your blinders on and stay focused on your workout. I was focused on my workout. I didn't check anybody out the whole time I was there. I just did my workout. I was rocking my workout out. And you know, that is what someone with healthy sexuality does. They're focused on the workout, not getting dopamine hits by looking at all of the men that were in the gym. I was just crushing that workout so I could get back outside into the sun. So think about that when you're in a particularly triggering environment. Um, if you travel anytime lately, I tell you, let me tell you what the lifesaver was on this trip. I got two words for you, three words, maybe. 
noise canceling AirPods literally saved my life because such loud, busy environments and you want to stay in your own zone, you put in the noise canceling AirPods. It is like you're sitting in a cloud and I put Pachelbel's Canon in D, uh, which is just so beautiful. I felt like I was watching a movie actually at one point because it was so chaotic and I'm just listening to this beautiful music in a cloud noise canceling AirPods, especially if you travel any amount of time, get them. They will save your life. Um, okay. So let's wrap up this episode. If you are looking for help on your journey, I'm here for you. Pornbrainreboot.org, nonprofit organization, all the program. If you, if you purchase a program, all the money goes back into the cause. So together we can heal the world from this massive global epidemic um, of pornography consumption problem that is in the billions. I can help you heal yourself from the inside out. And then together we can heal the world one brain at a time. So reach out if you're looking for help. And as always, remember, control your brain or it'll control 